Grant. I'm Elena. And welcome to Haunted Honeys. The podcast where a married couple teaches each other about terrifying things in the past. That's the first time you haven't totally blown out the mic for our annual tradition. I am getting better at this. (laughs) That's right. Uh, This is our episode coming out nearest Halloween, obviously, because that's tomorrow. Ooh, spooky dives. This is spooky times. This is spooky times. Spooky times. Spooky times. <laughs> so that means it is time for for my my dearest darling beloved. Yes. To tell us all about a very haunted place. Yeah. Where are we going to learn about this year? You know, I I was really feeling the cold weather around here that mm-hmm. we've been getting. Like fall has settled in. Yes. So I thought we should visit some place nice and warm. Ah, you you don't want to go leafing. No, I no. don't want to go leafing. <laughs> you want to go swimming? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Snorkeling. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we are going to uh, be exploring the, the spookums of the Florida Keys. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. The, the Florida Keys could be considered one of the most haunted places in the United States. I think anywhere with a tourism bureau would like you to think of it as the most haunted place in the United States. Yes, yes. But (laughs) as you'll learn, a lot of people have died there. That's also true of anywhere with a tourism board. (laughs) So so what are these keys? These, These are not the keys to Florida. Like you don't unlock anything with them. What are these keys? Well, you unlock paradise. Ah, okay. Yeah. After you die and you go to the light, you unlock paradise. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so if you you're not familiar, they they are a chain of islands uh, off that stretch off the southern coast of uh, Florida. Um, they're about 125 miles long, um, and even further if you include um, some of the other uh, uninhabited islands and uh, Dry Tortugas, which is like past there. I thought you were allowed to serve alcohol in Tortugas. Different type of dry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So originally the islands were uh, inhabited um, by native populations, the Calusa and Tequesta tribes. Juan Ponce de Leon uh, charted the islands in uh, 1513. You're welcome. I imagine Juan Ponce de Leon was really snippy. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe. I, it's it's hard to say. He's he's been dead a really long time, and no one talks about his ghost. He went to find the fountain of youth, but in fed, but instead found the fountain of just rudeness. Did you know that in Florida, there's actually a place where they claim it's the fountain of youth? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not in the Keys, but it does exist. That explains all the retirees, honestly. Yeah, that's why they all flock there. Is they're really hoping it's true. <laughs> about seventy-seven thousand people live throughout. The Keys, um, with about 35% of them living within Key West, uh, which is the kind of usually considered the southernmost part of the Keys Mm -hmm. that is inhabited. Mm -hmm. For a while, Key West was actually the the wealthiest and most uh, populous city in Florida. Uh, At that time, they had like 20,000 people. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, and it is the southernmost spot in the continental United States. Uh, that math checks out that they have 
slightly more than 20,000 people today. Yeah. So yeah, the the population is only a little bit bigger now. It's not that much more extreme. It is the southernmost point in the continental United States, and it's only about 90 miles from Cuba. Mm-hmm. There, there's a nice little monument. Mm-hmm. They're like, 90 miles away, here we are. <laughs> uh, I believe I have a picture with it, actually. Well, if it didn't get deleted... Aww. I went on a trip there and, like, our camera died. So we don't have many of the pictures from that entire trip. Oh, no. Yeah. You'll always have the memories. Yes. Of vicious barracuda. They are vicious. They're terrible. <laughs> People worry about sharks, and what you got to worry about is the barracuda. Uh, so for a long time, the Florida Keys were only accessible by water. Mm-hmm. Henry Flagler uh, was going to change all that. <laughs> was he now? Yes. Uh, he was a businessman uh, who had a bump in the road with a failed salt mine, uh, actually in Saginaw, Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought you would find interesting. Uh, but then he would go on to make it very freaking rich uh, when he went into business with uh, John D. Rockefeller by starting Standard Oil in uh, the 1860s. It was an oil company, if you yeah. couldn't figure it out. Yeah. It's, it's the standard one. Uh, so then he also started investing in hotels uh, throughout Florida and building up uh, the railroad through there. Uh, the Florida East Coast Railway um, was his, and it ran down the east side of the state. Mm-hmm. And that kind of opened up a big tourist boom and a lot more people flocking to the area. For, for them fine beaches, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, he's considered, like, by some as, like, the father of a few of the cities on that side of the, the state. Oh, okay. Um, I believe Fort Lauderdale is one of them and a few of the other locations along there. Should have called it Flaglerdale. Mm. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't ring as well. <laughs> uh, so in 1905, he decided uh, to extend his railroad even farther all the way to key west um the panama canal was a newly announced and proposed Mm -hmm. and uh with its construction that was going to change a lot of things and key west would be the closest port to it for Mm -hmm. the u.s so by connecting the keys to the mainland it would make a big difference in the economy and access to all the shipments yeah yeah um, when things go on or off the boat, they're probably going to go on or off a train if you can build the train there. Yeah. 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 So the first design actually called for the railroad to come out of the Everglades on the west side of Florida and cross 25 miles of open water. You know, how trains do. Yeah, they quickly realized that was a bad idea and decided to follow the chain of islands. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they would have you know some land to occasionally be on. Occasionally, once in a while. Uh, So during construction of the Overseas Railroad uh, in October of 1906, uh, crews were taking cover in their houseboats as a storm moved in. Mm -hmm. Now, they knew it was going to be a bad storm, but they didn't know that it was a hurricane. Are there other kinds of storms? Just like rain. Sure. It just rains a lot in Florida. Okay. Tropical storms. Not as bad. (laughs) You know. So within hours, uh, they were 
at the freaking mercy of the storm. Uh, the roof of their houseboats were rip- was ripped off. The walls were destroyed. Um, they hit a reef, which tore open the bottom of the boat and trapped so they, people down below. They lost the top, the sides, <laughs> and the bottom. They lost the whole boat. <laughs> For the most part. There was no boat anymore. Well, there were multiple boats. Okay. So, like, they were all taking different damages, and some of them were probably <laughs> taking all of it. And uh, a lot of the men were just, you know, swept away and, mm-hmm. and died. Um, and then others were uh, trying to stay alive. And then some were just too scared by the thought of what was to come. And they uh, took a deadly amount of laudanum, uh, which is opium mixed with brandy or whiskey. You know, for flavor. Um, so steamers would later come and rescue dozens of men, but at least 125 died, um, mm-hmm. possibly up to 200. It's really hard to say because there were bad records and, you know, people getting swept away into the ocean. So this is just the start of a lot of deaths that would come from this overseas railroad. Uh huh. And with that, the start of a lot of, like... Seaghosts seem really easy to avoid, though. Because if there's a house ghost, like, you live there. But if there's a sea ghost, just keep sailing. See, the problem is, is that the sea ghosts Mm -hmm. are around a lot of islands where people do live. Yeah, but they can just, like... So, like, they're, like, coming back for vengeance or, like, help... Because they're ghosts that never got rescued. I guess it depends on the range of your ghost. Like, land ghosts, generally, are tied to a very specific point of geography. Sea ghosts aren't. They go everywhere. Okay, all right. There's the difference. Yeah, they go where the wind takes them. So unless they're, like, held to, I don't know, a shipwreck, maybe, Mm -hmm. I I think they're more dangerous. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a historical book out there about that. Um, so construction of the Overseas Railroad uh, took seven years, over 4,000 workers, uh, and $50 million. Several other hurricanes would happen before it was finished. Yeah. A couple that hit them pretty hard and definitely killed some more people. But then it was finally complete in 1912. Now, it operated for about 23 years. Until it met its demise in 1935. So is there a ghost of the whole railroad that's been wandering around now? These 80 years? Oh. Oh, we're going to get there. Okay. Yeah. It's a a train going toot, toot. Yes. Actually, yes. (laughs) That is exactly where this is ending. We're going to talk about the Labor Day hurricane of 1935. Which brings, will give us... Our train ghosts. Okay. Uh, so leading up to Labor Day, uh, the Florida East Coast Railway was promoting holiday trips from Miami to Key West. Right, because uh, there's nothing fun to do over the weekend in Miami. No. Ugh. No, I gotta go to Key West okay. where random feral chickens running around. That does sound like a good time. I am very disappointed that I could not find a ghost story about a chicken. (laughs) I just wanted someone to tell me about how they were being terrorized by the ghost of a chicken. If anybody's going to be terrorized by the ghost of a chicken, it's Moki because she keeps finding people's like bones from Harold's (laughs) 
every time I take her for a walk. Maybe that's why she always boofs at people in the hallway is because she thinks it's the chicken coming to get revenge. Perhaps, perhaps. Maybe she's been trying to collect all the bones because she thinks it's the same chicken and she needs to like put all the bones back together in one resting place. Oh, Moki is so spiritual. Yes, yeah, he's okay. trying to help save the chicken's soul. I mean, like, what if it is ghosts and our dog's just trying to protect us? There's a lot of things that might require further research, greater I, study. So on Sunday, September 1st, uh, 1935, um, day before Labor Day, uh, travelers were crowded into waiting rooms in Miami. Um, they were ready, you know, to leave for their holiday. Uh, the trip to Key West was about four to five hours, um, and they stopped along the way, um, different towns and at um, some of the federal work veterans camps that mm -hmm. existed. Um, they were helping to work on projects of building what was now going to be the overseas highway ah. that was also being built. There were about uh, 700 men within these camps. Um, so not only were we going to have, you know, train line, but roads. Uh, so when the train arrived in Key West, there was a small talk about a hurricane, but no one was really worried because they thought it was heading south uh, over Cuba and that they'd be, they're 90 miles away. They're fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the next morning, there was light rain, which turned to downpours and then turned even stronger. And the uh, train come up making the journey back from Miami again Right. was... Like, stocked extra with extra cars and crews because they were planning, well, it's Labor Day. A lot of people are going to be wanting to head back up to Miami. Right. They were in Key West, getting things kind of loaded up, situated to make the return journey. And meanwhile, in uh, Isla Mirada, which is in the middle stretch of the Keys, mm -hmm. the construction foreman was uh, on the phone with the railway. Um, he'd been getting reports that the hurricane was now moving in their direction and was requesting an evacuation train for the workers and local residents. So the railroad got to work uh, putting together a train, but that took a little while because they weren't planning to send a train. Right. And the train left Miami at uh, about 4.30 p.m. that night. Um, but was hit by delay after delay due to there being a hurricane. You know, strong winds, lots of rain, no visibility, and debris across the tracks. Um, now the train that was in Key West, mm -hmm. supposed to be coming back, uh, was all loaded up with people, baggage, everything, and then they were like, well, we can't leave, because there's a hurricane. <laughs> we're gonna have to wait. And passengers were just left like on this train that was rocking in the wind from a hurricane going by mm -hmm. now the hurricane struck the middle keys at a, as a category five um the wind was over 185 miles per hour and it was the most intense atlantic hurricane on record until 1988 um, and the first known category five to hit the contiguous u.s which seems more like an annual event nowadays. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, back then they were only recording it for so long. But yeah. That's but I mean, that, that's a 50-year gap. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and now it's just all the time. Mm -hmm. So at 8.20 p.m., uh, the rescue train arrived at, uh, arrived at Metacrombe Key, um, which is where Isla Mirada is. They were getting there around the time that the eye of the storm was there. Mm -hmm. 
And the engineer traveled uh, past the station due to fear that those buildings might collapse. Ah, okay. Yeah, he's like, I'll just go a little farther down, about a quarter of a mile. Uh, That's where he stopped and people were um, starting to get on board. Right, right. Um, It was also an area where, like, the landmass was wider. Mm -hmm. A lot of these keys are very, they're not not round. They're very, (laughs) like long yeah 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 it's kind of like a really long thin sandbar but some of it goes above the the water level yes kind of yeah yeah Yeah. uh and so he was stopped there and people were starting to board when suddenly there was an 18 to 20 foot storm surge uh that came up as the eye moved out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it swept onto shore and tossed the train off the tracks. Now, Isla Morada was completely obliterated mm-hmm. by this storm after that. The engineer uh, did survive this and said that if he would have stopped anywhere else, they would have surely been thrown into the ocean <laughs> because, oh. again, widest landmass happened to be yeah, where yeah. they were. Um, Now, accounts differ. Some things say that the people within the train survived and were perfectly fine, where other things say that, like, water was rushing in and they were, like, trapped. There's also reports that, you know, hundreds of people were washed away, and other reports that say not that many casualties. It's a little (laughs) hard to know. I think mostly because you're in the middle of a hurricane. Who was taking a head count out there? Yeah, yeah. Nobody was taking pictures. There's no video of this. It was 1935. There's video afterwards. Well, <laughs> pictures afterwards. But yeah, yeah, no one's just like, let. I'm the news person over here in this hurricane reporting. <laughs> so it's hard to know how many people actually died at the train, though there's some. A number of people died. Yes. Late that Monday night, <laughs> uh, the Key West train slowly set out to try to go to Miami, uh, following behind a work crew that was clearing the tracks. Uh, by Tuesday morning, they had made it a quarter of the distance. <laughs> it's a trip that normally takes four to five hours total. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had ran out of food and water and soon uh, came to an area of track that was completely washed away and had to turn back. I mean, that makes sense. They took a whole day to go one hour's journey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the railroad had an arrangement with a steamship company that was used to help connect Florida to the Keys and to Cuba. Uh, The SS Cuba came up from Cuba and picked up a bunch of passengers in Key West, all these people from the train, Mm -hmm. and took them not to Miami, but up towards the like west side of Florida, where then they had to catch another train over to the east side of Florida and then another train down to Miami. So all those people had a really crappy trip yeah. that took them about, like, six days, but they didn't die. And I'm sure they were all very grateful in perfectly high spirits the whole time uh, about the whole situation. Just a lot of very smiley, chipper people saying, well, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah. Though maybe they should have been, uh, because... Uh, after the hurricane was gone, um, some counts say that 400 to 500 people died, Mm -hmm. um, but it's believed that it might be over 800, 
um, due to the nature of people being swept away and bad records, mm-hmm. as is always the I case mean, with history. Are... And there was just, there, you're talking about tourists, you're talking about people, mm-hmm. you know, traveling. Yeah. Um, one third of the veterans within the work camps died. Hmm. Um, the, like, shacks, the houses and stuff that they were using while working were not built very substantially. So definitely we're not going to survive a hurricane. Not, not built to survive a previously unheard of Category 5 hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. And now most of the people were also not identifiable by the time that they were found. And they were found, unfortunately, all over. Um, bodies were found even along the shore of mainland Florida. Uh, mass graves and funeral pyres were used to to deal with the mass casualties um, mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. Because, again, we're talking about Florida, where it's very hot and things <laughs> can't be left very long. Also, I mean, you can't even dig a basement. Graves are kind of hard. Yeah, that's going to be something we're going to talk about later, Okay, cool. (laughs) But just imagine you're out on the beach, you're looking for sand dollars, you're looking for beach glass, you're probably not looking for a rotting corpse, but hey, it's one of those days. Yep. Mommy, look! Yeah, yeah. So, uh, one-third of the overseas railway was also lost, uh, and it was decided not to rebuild. Uh, instead, uh, Highway US-1, which was the road that they were building, was built over much of the original uh, railroad bridges, um, which actually made their overseas highway work go much faster yeah, than anticipated. Yeah. Uh, and that was completed uh, by 1938. Hooray! Not all of the... Um, railroad bridges and stuff were in use. Um, some don't exist, but many do still exist. Um, it's kind of crazy. There are places where they just run parallel to each other. Mm-hmm. And there's this island called uh, Pigeon Island or Pigeon Key. The original railroad stopped on. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a town. Mm-hmm. Well, then they built the highway and the highway doesn't stop there. <laughs> Well, like, it did, and then, like, they built, um, like, the seven-mile bridge, like, the new one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop. So, like, this this key is just completely abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, but they actually, it's now a historical site. For the pigeons. For people to go oh, to. Oh, okay. Like, the buildings and stuff that were left, they, they've since, I don't think they've renovated them, but they've kept them, like, from degrading more. And the only way to get there is by boat. Or you have to, like, walk around along what was the old bridge. Ah. Because, like, they don't allow cars on it, but you Mm -hmm. can, like, walk or bike or take a golf cart. (laughs) It's strange. It's very bizarre. So, uh, in Isla Mirada, um, mile marker 81.5 of the highway. Not a Uh, mile marker. A half mile marker. Thank you very much. Well, that is where you will find um, a memorial to those who died. Oh, okay. Um, that also marks a grave, a mass grave. Okay. Yep. So where are the spookums and all this? The ocean. You you said ocean yeah, ghosts. Well, they can you know, rove around. There are countless stories of ah. people seeing uh, figures appear out of nowhere, uh, looking for help and disappearing before their eyes. 
Um, Those but, are mostly just people with warrants, though. <laughs> just alligators trying to pass <laughs> off as humans. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Alligator in a trench coat. It's, yeah. it's a classic grift. It's a classic. Most of the stories, though, uh, do revolve around ghost trains. Mm. Uh, people hearing rumbling like a train is coming, hearing train whistles when none of that exists throughout the Keys now. Um, one uh, man told a story of when he was a kid, mm-hmm. he and his brother went fishing at their favorite spot, um, but a storm quickly moved in and there was a lot of lightning. So they took cover under one of the old bridges and suddenly they started to hear distant rumbling, mm-hmm. and then it was getting closer and closer, and they popped their head out and saw a train coming, um, but the bridge was out, so they're like, oh my god, this train's going to crash. Not even <laughs> thinking, like, why is there a train? Just this train is going to crash. Um, and as they were, like, mentally preparing and, like, and you know, guarding themselves from it, um, it disappeared. When there was silence and the storm apparently cleared and there was nothing. That's creepy. It's creepy. You also slapped me in the face. I'm sorry. I talk with my hands. So, not the moral. I was going to say the moral (laughs) of the story, but I'm like, there's not a moral. So the point of all this is that the keys are already really haunted by a lot of people dying. Yes. But we're going to take a break and come back and talk about some specific places. Okay. I think part of the reason The Nightmare Before Christmas is so popular is because there really aren't any songs for Halloween. The The Monster Mash is a bad song. Yes. The Adams Family rap is worse. Oh yeah, that's bad. Like there's there's just this giant like vacuum. We just, we just have like I put a spell on you. That's pretty and good. Nightmare Before Christmas. That's it though. And that song from The Worst Witch. Also a very bad song. No. It's a terrible song. He needs to find his tambourine. And that's why we love it. <laughs> it's the best music video I've ever seen. Your dog could turn into a cat. Anything can happen. Anything can happen on Halloween. What? It's, it's better than radio, whatever that means. <laughs> We're not finding a, a segue here. You should just tell me about some Florida Keys stuff. We're going to talk about a lighthouse. Okay. So it is maybe haunted? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, Carries Fort Reef Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this light... Uh, sits along um, the Carries Fort Reef, uh-huh. uh, which is actually like a very dangerous uh, reef within the Keys. It's one of, I think, the most dangerous ones. There's a lot of shipwrecks along there. It's probably why they put a light there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about six uh, nautical miles from Key Largo. Mm-hmm. Montego. Baby, why don't we go to yep. Bahama? Yeah, that. That's how I learned geography. Yeah. No, it's not. No, okay. One day, if I redo this episode, and I don't know however long it takes for Jimmy Buffett to die, <laughs> there will be stories about his ghosts in the Keys. Yeah. Yes. Are all of the Beach Boys still alive? Some of them must have kicked the bucket, right? I'm just saying, there's a lot of tropical dudes. Yeah, there there are. But Jimmy Buffett, like, lives there. That's true. So, uh, initially, uh, what was here was actually uh, a light ship. 
How light was it? It flashed a lot. Oh my. Yeah. Uh, so a light ship is just a boat that serves as a lighthouse. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's not like light like a feather. It, floats in the air. It probably is stiff as a board, though. <laughs> yes, because it's probably made of boards. Actually, I know, in fact, that it was because it ended up getting a lot of dry rot. Uh, okay. Uh, so the first light ship named Caesar got dry rot, uh, and it was, like, there starting in, like, 1825. And by 1830, they had to replace it with a different one that was named Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, the good ship Florida. In Florida. Appropriate. They might as well have just named it Ship. <laughs> uh, and so the initial lighthouse keeper guy, light ship keeper? There we go. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, he uh, was in charge of both of those light ships um, until he got killed. <laughs> um, in a jealous rage. He actually got killed by an ambush when he went to tend his garden on an, an island. What is the homeowners association like where you live, my dude? <laughs> yeah, so he 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 died um along with a couple other members of his crew. And then in 1840, uh Congress approved funds to build an actual lighthouse. Now, this was the third of its style lighthouse in the US. Um it's not your, you know, traditional lighthouse like on the edge of land. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, this is six nautical miles out. Um, so it's built over the water. And it was much more difficult than expected to build this lighthouse uh, because the reef was not actually solid like they thought. There was ah. a lot of loose sand under it. But once it was built, uh, Captain Johnson became the first keeper of the lighthouse. Um, but he died tragically very shortly after he got that job. Mm -hmm. Rooting through the rutabagas. Maybe. I okay. don't. <laughs> Maybe he tried to, like, farm on the, like, on the lighthouse and something <laughs> went wrong. Fell to his death trying to pull a carrot. You know, it happens more often than you think. <laughs> so he was replaced. And over the years, many other lighthouse keepers came. Mm -hmm. um, and the stories were always the same. Uh, they often noted uh, hearing various noises and seeing another lighthouse keeper around the lighthouse, even Ooh. though they were alone. Um, often it was dismissed as, you know, it's just metal creaking, it's a metal lighthouse. Mm -hmm. But the stories can always came back. Mm -hmm. After the light was became unmanned, you know, people still had to go and, like, do maintenance. And one of the maintenance workers uh, who went to... Uh, work with the light, uh, kept hearing a lot of splashing coming from down below, mm -hmm. which you would think like, well, there's there's waves. You're out in the open ocean. Okay. Um, but it was like a strange type of splashing. And he's <laughs> like, let's, let me go investigate. And he claims that he saw a skeleton float by, fully intact skeleton, mm -hmm. wearing what looked to be remnants of like olden day clothes <laughs> just kind of float by under the lighthouse you saw and then float back again and disappear you saw the results of a party city shipwreck <laughs> who knows maybe it was captain johnson who fell to his death pulling a carrot maybe maybe we'll never know <laughs> 
the lighthouse still stands uh, today, though it is no longer manned or really used. Earlier this year, it was actually announced that it was either uh, going to be given away or auctioned off in accordance with the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act. So if you would like a lighthouse of your very own. I do. (laughs) I want one. Christmas is coming, dear. Let's get a lighthouse that might be haunted. I think they're all pretty well haunted. <laughs> I don't think there are any unhaunted lighthouses. I'm okay with that. Uh, so now we're going to talk about some places in Key West. Okay. The the one city of the Keys. There are many cities of the Keys, but it is like the party center. Mm-hmm. The New Orleans, the boys town. It's the party center. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. Does Key West have a boys town? Most of it just is. Okay. Except the parts that are chicken territory. I was on a scout trip there. Mm-hmm. And we got shore leave. <laughs> we tried to sneak into a lot of sex shops. Yeah, how'd that go? They wouldn't let me in. At the I age was, of 14? I was 14. Yeah? Yeah. My mom's listening and just heard that for the first time. Uh, so let's talk about Key West Cemetery. Okay. Um, it's a 19-acre cemetery where it's estimated that there are 100,000 people buried. How hard is it to count? Like, okay, and it takes a lot of time, but it wouldn't be hard. You know, unmarked graves, deterioration, hurricanes. It's hard to know how many people are still there. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> you know, it, there's things. Um, so it was established uh, at its current location in 1847. Uh, the original location was actually much more coastal. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 1846, a hurricane washed away a large amount of the dead bodies out of their graves. They wanted to be ocean ghosts. Yeah. Yes. Like, not a land ghost. Ocean ghost. Go wherever I want. Fa- I want to see the world. Follow your dreams. So there are people buried there um, from the 1886 Great Fire of Key West. Mm-hmm. You know, in comparison to like other great fires, it doesn't seem that great. But when you think about how big the island is, it's pretty great. Uh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, so the fire burned for 12 hours and destroyed uh, 50 acres within the most commercial area of the city. Seven people died and many more were injured. 18 factories and 614 homes and warehouses were destroyed. Uh, The city had had a real fire department for over a decade, but at that time, their only steam engine had been sent to New York for repair, and they only had hand pumps to use. At least the water wasn't very far. (laughs) There's that. There was speculation that it was started on purpose uh, by the Spanish Empire uh, due to Key West's support uh, for Cuban independence. Mm-hmm. And there were a few thoughts, apparently, that led to this. Uh, one was that the fire was started next to the San Carlos Institute, which was like the heart of Cuban culture in Key West. Mm-hmm. And then the morning after, there were Spanish boats waiting to take Cuban workers back to Cuba if they wanted. And 400 people who were now without jobs left. And apparently a Havana-based newspaper reported on the fire before it took place. So there's some weird things there. Uh, that just sounds like time zones. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. all that is. Okay. 
Um, so the uh, San Carlos Institute rebuilt and still stands uh, to this day. It actually operated as, operated as one of America's first uh, bilingual and racially integrated schools. Mm-hmm. It had a pretty rough patch from the 1970s onward, but it reopened in the 1990s as a museum, library, performance space, um, etc. And the cemetery also has people from the multiple yellow fever epidemics that hit Key West. I imagine they would. Uh, and the 1898 battleship Maine disaster, um, which it ex- was when it exploded and killed uh, 260 people. There's always ghosts with cemeteries. That's where they live. Um, but it's said that the the main thing that people see. Yes, is the remember the main thing. The ghost that people see is the spirit of a woman who uh, visits people who disrespect the cemetery. Ah. If you stand on a grave, sit on a tomb. If I... Litter. If I disparage them for not knowing exactly how many people are interred there. Yes. She is going to find you. She's going to be angry. She's going to threaten you, come after you, and then disappear. I don't think I could tell the difference between her and, and one of our many fine listeners. Because they yell at you? All the time. All the time. So Key West is also home to uh, Robert the doll, which is said to be the most haunted doll. How do you measure how haunted a doll is? What is the doll hauntedness scale? Where are the experts? <laughs> oh, they exist out there on the internet and they're using like GeoCity websites. Then they're not real experts. <laughs> I want some Lexus Nexus citations. My favorite thing about doing the Spookum episodes is the amount of terrible websites I get to visit. <laughs> it's amazing that these things still function mm-hmm. on the browsers we use nowadays. <laughs> People just need to stop using back- black backgrounds with that, like really bright blue hyperlink text oh no it's so bad it's so bad and that's what they all are frames everywhere flashing i'm gonna hover over this link and now there's like an image that's flashing around like no stop it very bad anyways the doll uh originally belonged to uh robert eugene otto name the doll after yourself huh classy he went by gene Okay. Uh, And he was an artist uh, from a prominent Key West family. In 1904, his grandfather purchased the doll while on a business trip in Germany um, from Steif, the manufacturer known for inventing uh, the teddy bear. The doll, in fact, came with its own creepy teddy bear. Uh, It probably was never meant to be sold as a toy, uh, but was a window display doll. But if you've met Grandpa, he doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah. Um, let me let me let me show you a picture of this doll. Okay. Let's let's take a look at this. I was expecting way worse. I think the teddy bear is creepier. <laughs> the teddy bear is really creepy. The teddy bear is very creepy. Um. So the doll is wearing a little sailor suit. Yeah. He um. Is. Which actually belonged to Eugene. <laughs> The bear or the doll probably didn't come with any clothing. It's just like his little outfit. So I feel like that's a little weird. 
So the doll was given to him on his birthday. And yes, he did name it Robert. But again, he went by Gene. After he gave his name away to the doll. Yeah. Then that name is lost forever due to mystic artifice. Uh, so it's said that uh, Gene became quickly insanely attached to this doll. Uh, when your choice is that doll or that teddy bear, <laughs> yeah, go with the doll. And it's said that when he would be playing with it, uh, people would hear him talking to it, but then they would hear giggling that would be happening while he was talking and obviously not coming from him. There are stories of the doll moving to new spots within the room or the house uh, without you know anyone being around to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, people often commented that they thought its facial expression was changing. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> because dolls don't do that. <laughs> Things would often go missing or or break, and and Gene would be blamed, but he always uh, said, no, it was Robert. Robert did it. And people believed him for some reason? No. Okay, good. But, you know, a thing. Uh, So the doll remained at the Otto family home in Key West uh, when Gene went away to school, and when he returned in the 1930s um, with his wife, uh, they lived in Key West, and apparently uh, he still had the doll. He, he kept it in a window on the top floor and neighborhood children would often pass by and claim that they would see it move from one side of the window to the other. What kind of a red flag is that? Okay, you marry this man. He moves back to be near his parents and then he keeps his childhood doll in your front window on the street. You have got <laughs> to be rethinking your choices. Apparently, she was not very fond of the doll. All right. And after he died, she, like, kept it in the attic. <laughs> uh, so then, She kept it at all? Have these people not heard of garage sales? Uh, so then, in the 70s, uh, after they were both dead, the house was sold to a woman named Myrtle, uh, and she lived there for about 20 years. All while the doll was in the attic. And over the years, she would often uh, hear weird noises and things would move. And she thought the place was haunted. And then eventually she came across the doll and was like, oh no, the doll is haunted. (laughs) And she quickly donated it to the Martello Gallery, uh, Key West Art and Historical Museum. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, is the doll cursed? Is it voodoo? The spirit of Gene coming back? Who knows? But it seems that guests of the museum seem to think something's going on. Probably because there's a little plaque next to the doll telling them that things might be going on. Well, according to the museum, before, like, it was ever really a thing, they suddenly would start, like, getting letters and cards addressed to Robert Mm -hmm. that were apologizing to it for taking its photo without permission, talking badly about it, (laughs) because they all claimed that bad things happened after. Either death, losing, like, their job and their house, Mm -hmm. etc. And so now the museum... That's a big step up from just being in a different part of the window than you expected. Maybe it's now uh, Gene's ghost is there and like, Mm. screw you for talking bad about my doll. (laughs) Um, But they now display all the letters Mm -hmm. uh, surrounding him 
you know, as a word of warning, when you go to view Robert. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Doll might come and get you. Be very polite to this doll. Otherwise, it might just move or it might kill your grandma. Hard to know. You can say anything you want about that teddy bear, though. No one is. No one cares. No one cares. Uh, So another thing you can learn about at this museum uh, is about Carl Tanzler, who was not a count, but sometimes went by Count Carl von Kozel. That should just kind of give you a hint at how crazy he is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so he went by a lot of other names as well. Carl spelled with a K, with a C. Sometimes there was a George in there. Quattro Bagina. <laughs> different, different versions of his name all around. Sure. Uh, so what we know is he was born in Germany uh, in 1877. And at some point he ended up in Australia before World War I and was interned there during the war. Eventually, he made it to Germany again and married in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Then he came to the U.S. and settled in mid-Florida. And he found this doll. <laughs> uh, the following year after moving there, he left his family and children behind and moved to Key West uh, and took a job as a radiology technician at the U.S. Marine Hospital. Okay, so in 1930... A 22-year-old woman named Maria Elena Helen Malegro de Hoyos uh, came to the hospital. And this creepy 53-year-old man uh, <laughs> believed she was the woman from his visions. Uh-huh. Uh, these visions he had been having all his life. What happened in these visit- visions was his alleged ancestor, a German countess... Because he is a count, according to him. And there's absolutely no proof that he was related to this person at all. Sure. Uh, showed him who his true love was. And he thought it was this 22-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Helen had tuberculosis. That's got to be real weird on his actual wife, though, right? Like, Well, she's up in mid-Florida, and he's just abandoned them. But I mean, before he abandoned them, did she know about this, like, vision? Like, hey... I have a true love out there. It's not you, but I'll marry you anyway. <laughs> like, she can't be too surprised when he up and disappears one day, right? I don't know about okay. that one. I don't know how many people he told okay. about his vision. I don't know if he even knew his vision existed until that moment. <laughs> Maybe that's why he became a radiologist, all about seeing the unseen, you know, yeah. going beyond. Yeah. Yeah. I got this guy's number. Helen had tuberculosis, Mm -hmm. uh, and it would claim much of her family. Carl said that he had a ton of medical knowledge. Sure. And that he would cure her. And again, he has, like, no actual knowledge to go off of. Well, the ancient masters appeared to him in a dream, so that's way better than you're going to get at medical school. So he started using uh, medicine, x-rays... All kinds of stuff, whatever he could bring to her parents' home to try to cure her. I've uh, heard of a guy trying to carry a printer across town to impress a girl, but an x-ray X- machine? X-ray. Uh, he also brought her gifts and confessed his love to her. And there is absolutely nothing that states that she ever said anything to him. <laughs> and she died of tuberculosis in 1931 at her parents' home. So a year later. Now, Carl insisted on paying for her funeral. It was his fault in the end. He did say he was going to fix it. 
and with her family's permission, he paid for an above-the-ground mausoleum to be made. Uh, and he would visit her every single night in that mausoleum. A couple years later, mm-hmm. according to him, her spirit had been telling him every night to remove her from the mausoleum and take her home. Was her ghost and his ancestor, were they buddies? Did they hang out? No. No? No. Okay, because he's got a lot of spiritual advisors, and I think it would be better for everybody if they were at least friendly with one another. All on the same page, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so he decided to follow the advice of this spirit Mm -hmm. and uh, removed her body and took her through the cemetery on a toy wagon. (laughs) And uh, he got to work fixing her up because, let's remember, she's been dead for a couple of years. So he uh, put her, you know, bones together with wires and coat hangers. Previously on Riverdale. (laughs) Gave her uh, some glass eyes, and as her body was decomposing, he did his own version of paper mache with uh, silk cloth soaked in wax and plaster of Paris. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also made her a wig and stuffed her body and dressed it up and... Used wax to reconstruct her face. His abandoned family has got to be like feeling like they came out on the good end of the deal. <laughs> oh, just they got to be thanking their lucky stars. So, uh, in October, seven years later, <laughs> uh, Helen's sister heard rumors regarding all of this. Uh, that you know he used to visit the mausoleum and and he stopped. And he's been seen buying a lot of clothes for women. Uh-huh. And a boy claimed to see him dancing with a big doll. And uh, she got pretty suspicious and apparently went to his house. And he was just like, yeah, sure, come on in. Here's your sister. Mm-hmm. Which caused her to go to the police. And he was arrested and uh, found mentally competent to stand trial, but his case was eventually dropped after the statute of limitations has expired. What would the charge be? Because, like, I don't know if there's just a general catch-all, you're creepy as heck crime. Um, the, the charge was basically, like, removing a body from a oh, cemetery okay yeah that, that's the that, one that was like it that was <laughs> that was the charge none of the rest of this is illegal uh but we really wish it was we don't have laws about this nobody yet. thought this was gonna like happen so you kind of got us there <laughs> so her body was eventually returned to the cemetery but buried in an unmarked grave to avoid further tampering uh-huh. uh, but this was only after a freaking public viewing for thousands of people and also after uh carl asked to have her body back mm-hmm. uh and he moved back in with his freaking wife <laughs> who like supported him mm-hmm. and uh the public saw him as a lonely sad romantic and not a crazy creepo stand by your man and this weirdo was granted citizenship Mm -hmm. uh and he wrote all about it for a pulp magazine (laughs) (laughs) well he probably couldn't be hired to be a radiologist anymore after that so apparently he had made a death mask of her Mm mm-hmm And used it to create a new life-size model of her and lived with her until he died. 
And that's the story behind the man who founded the real doll company. Pretty much. Know where they got their inspiration. <laughs> There's not like a haunting story with this one. Oh, I feel pretty haunted. That was a haunting story. My God, if Helen wants to haunt someone, like, you do it, girl. I think he'd be into it, though. That's the problem. <laughs> well, not him. I'm like, go haunt all the other, like, creepos. Okay. How about that? He does not deserve to be haunted. I'm sure he's dead by now anyway. Oh, yes. He's very dead. Okay. He's, he's been dead for a while. Um, so let's let's go back to some haunted places and sure. not creepy stories. Okay. Because really, that's what we're here for. We're here for the spookums, <laughs> not the creepos. I, I don't like that holiday. I don't like Creepo Day. <laughs> no. So in 1848, uh, the first Baptist church of Key West was built. And in the 1880s, a new pastor and his wife moved to the church. Soon after, uh, rumors began to spread that uh, the pastor's wife was having an affair with the church deacon. Uh, and it was ignored for several months. Uh, but one Sunday, the pastor noticed his wife and the deacon inside the church teaching Sunday school to a group of children. And apparently that's what set him off. <laughs> well, you know how Sunday school can go. So he boarded up the doors and windows of the church and poured kerosene all around it and lit it on fire and burned everyone inside. That's how Sunday school can go. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was talking that's about. That's really what happens in the Sunday school you attended? That I attended? No, you can tell because I'm alive. Yeah. But in at least one case, it did happen. Uh, so the church was rebuilt the following year on the same site. In the 1990s, the building was converted into a theater. Mm. Uh, theater goers would often notice the smell of smoke within the building. Well, yeah, all the people getting high during the concert. Like like a theater, though. Uh, Not like concert, like play. You can get high during those, too. <laughs> and because of all the, the weird things that went on, the theater actually closed uh, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And then it actually opened into a nightclub. But it didn't last long either because people were freaked out uh, and would n note uh, weird noises and the feeling of being pushed. At a nightclub, you say? <laughs> really? It has since reopened, though, as the Key West Theater uh, and is in operation right now. And people uh, still make comments about the smell of smoke. And there are surfaces throughout the, the theater that they that will feel hot mm. or that they will hear the sound of children in mm -hmm. when there are no children present. Bum, bum, bum. Spooky. <laughs> you put up with this so well. I, I try. You don't actually put up with this well. <laughs> I do try, though. Yeah. Uh, so another place we have in Key West is uh, Captain Tony's Saloon, mm -hmm. which was many things before it uh, became what it is now, a club, speakeasy, cigar factory. But originally, it was an ice house in the city's first morgue. Uh, gotta, gotta keep things cool, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, built in 1850. Uh, and right next to the morgue was the city's hanging tree. Convenient. Yes. Um, it said that 18 people were hung there. Um, all pirates except for one woman who uh, murdered her husband and children. Mm -hmm. Now, the 
saloon eventually expanded, and that tree now sits inside the bar. Uh-huh. And uh, runs right through the middle of the restaurant. They didn't cut down the tree. No. The tree's just in it. Yeah. That doesn't seem sturdy or safe <laughs> or, like, that roof is gonna leak, right? Like, it has to. Uh, but, like, around it? How? I don't know how tall the tree actually is. <laughs> like, they might have cut off some of the top, but it's, like, giant tree trunk at least. Goodness. And so, during uh, some renovations, over a dozen bodies were found beneath the floorboards. Mm-hmm. Which... Makes sense, because typically any unclaimed or unpaid for dead are usually buried somewhere. And in this case, probably just next to the building. Right, right. Um, the bodies are actually left in the foundation. Uh, and the one grave marker they found was left exposed. Because that's just what they do at this place. They leave things just out there in yeah. the floor for people to, to walk around and trip over. Yes. And uh, the saloon is said to be haunted by a woman uh, dressed in blue. And people uh, believe she is the ghost of the woman who murdered her family. Mm-hmm. Because all those pirates, they completed all... They, they, they had no unfinished business. Yeah. 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 They, they went to their graves knowing that they were good. Yeah. I love anybody whose last words are, the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also said that, like, people will get locked in the bathrooms. The stalls won't open. Yeah, that's true out. of a lot of, of like, run-down saloons. I think I'm just telling you what the people have said. That doesn't mean it's ghosts. That, that means they hung the door wrong. Darling? Yes? I'm not making judgments. I'm just telling you what people say. I'm making judgments. Not haunted. Just not up to code either. <laughs> The tree probably makes it really not up to go. <laughs> uh, so one of the most famous ghosts of Key West, however, is uh, Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway? Yes. Of Ernest Hemingway fame? Yes. Because uh, he lived there for years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, he's he's got his like famous house with his, a lot of cats. Yeah, his uh, six-fingered cats all over the place. Yeah. 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 So people often report seeing his ghost uh, just walking through Key West. <laughs> Though I question whether it's a ghost or just like people doing like kind of like Hemingway impersonations like Elvis. See, see, now you're doing it. It's that not just I me. Questioned. Okay. I questioned that one. I'm not so sure. <laughs> but most often uh, he the ghost is spotted at uh, his former home mm -hmm. or uh, Sloppy Joe's bar, um, which he frequented. Sloppy Joe's Bar, where they invented the French dip. <laughs> Fulja. I believe his friend's name was Sloppy Joe. Okay. Um, now, he didn't die uh, in that house. Oh, okay. He um, did die, though, to he be did, clear. He, he did die. Definitely did die. He definitely died, but he didn't die there. Um, it's the reason why uh, people think he haunts it, though, is because he liked it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's often seen, uh, you know, within the house or, um, people will hear, uh, his typewriter, mm -hmm. like, typing away. It's also reported that his second wife, Pauline, is often, uh, seen within the house as well. So there you it's go. It's a very spooky museum house now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to talk about two more places. Two more places. Two more places. Uh, so the first one we're going to talk about is Fort Zachary. Uh, which was built on Key West uh, between uh, 
1845 and 1860. It was uh, named after President Zachary Taylor, who died in 1850. Um, originally, the fort was actually like out in the ocean, mm-hmm. and um, you could only access it by a thousand foot causeway. Uh, but when it became a state park, uh, they filled in a lot of the land around it, mm-hmm. um, and it is now landlocked. But they did add a moat in eighteen or in 1989 for some reason. In case of invasion? <laughs> Who are we worried about in 1989? The, the revenge of Granada? <laughs> Just let's have a moat. Um, so Fort Zachary was never attacked. Yeah. So there's no need for a moat. <laughs> but it saw a huge amount of death due to yellow fever, tuberculosis, and diphtheria. Uh, yellow fever killed as many as 15 people a day at the fort, um, so thousands would have died there. It's said that there is a mass grave of yellow fever victims. Uh, one of the main sightings people see mm-hmm. is uh, soldiers on um, cots, mm-hmm. and it's believed that they are victims of yellow fever, ah. since there were no battles. Right. There is also a lot of sightings of weird things around uh, <laughs> noon every day. Mm-hmm. Um, many people say that they hear screams and people begging for their lives. Wow, which... they must really want lunch real bad. <laughs> or maybe they don't want to be hanged. Oh. Because that was the thing that was often done. <laughs> and all of this sits next to one of the best beaches on Key West. Oh, that's nice. So if you're ever there on vacation, you can go to the beach and then go see some ghosts of people begging not to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great time. That does sound like a full itinerary, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, then maybe check out some polydactyl cats while yeah. you're at it, yeah. Well, a fun fact about the fort that doesn't have to do with ghosts. Okay. Uh, so in... 1968, um, they started to do some excavating on abandoned areas, um, and they found the largest collection of Civil War cannons mm-hmm. anywhere. So the building used to be more like more stories, right. and they had like removed some of them years ago and built it out in other places. What they found was that some of the wings they had built. Mm-hmm had been filled in with cannons. (laughs) They had so many cannons at this fort that they're like, well, what are we going to do with them? We could just fill in that wall. Really, the moat is more cost effective than than having to to field all those cannons. I don't know why they built a moat in the (laughs) 80s. That was just weird. (laughs) Uh, And so now we are going to talk about Fort Jefferson, uh, which is... Not located in the Keys, it is located in Dry Tortugas. Dry Tortugas National Park, um, which is about 70 miles west of Key West. It is a small group of islands, uh, not accessible by anything other than boat or seaplane. And the unfinished fort is the third largest in the U.S. and the largest brick masonry structure in the Americas, with over 16 million bricks. They could count that. Sure. They counted bricks instead of people. Yeah, it's a that travesty. That seems like something that, yeah, would upset you a lot. It does. It is also uh, considered to be the most remote national park in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's the last one on a lot of checklists, I would have to imagine. It's like 
the first on mine. I really <laughs> want to go here. I want to go here so bad. In 1825, U.S. Navy Commodore David Porter uh, inspected the islands looking for a site for a naval station. Uh, and he thought this island was unfit because there was no fresh water. It wasn't really that big. Wasn't going to be great. Yeah. But others were like, no, it's an awesome location. And if it's occupied by someone else, it could affect shipping in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have to do it. We're going to take this awful place so that nobody else does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so construction started in December of 1846. And it was built with a six-sided design um, and, like, two curtain walls. So, like, a wall. Mm-hmm. And then a farther wall in. Ah. Like what they do with fences for alligators. Okay. Was yeah. this also for alligators? No. Okay. This was for like The enemies. Spanish, I guess. Yeah. Um, and those two walls are between 325 feet and 477 feet high. It's a lot of feet. It's a lot of feet. 16 million bricks. They got to go somewhere, I yeah. guess. Uh, so the army employed a couple hundred civilian employees, but the majority of the labor was slave labor. As uh, mentioned earlier, there was no fresh water at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a system of a system of cisterns were built into the walls uh, with sand-filled columns that were intended to filter rainwater that would be held underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't work. <laughs> Either because the rainwater was like dissolving salt in the sand or it just wasn't made tight enough. But mm-hmm. the water was unfit for drinking. It was okay for like washing and cooking, but they couldn't drink it. Um, it was probably great for cooking. Like uh, it's pre-seasoned. Pre-seasoned. Yeah. yeah. You don't got to salt anything. Uh, so the only rainwater runoff that they could drink was like in this one area where they actually built it correctly. <laughs> um, but it was not enough to like support what they had initially intended. Right, right. Uh, so during the Civil War, it was held by the Union. And in 1861, the first prison soldiers appeared, um, those sentenced to confinement and hard labor. Um, President Lincoln then would substitute imprisonment on imprisonment there instead of execution for desertees. So a- as a Union-held fort, it was basically a place to stick people because it was so far away from the war. Yep. Kind of like Mackinac, going back to our very first episode. Yes. Yeah. So in 1865, mm-hmm. uh, four special civilian prisoners arrived. Uh, all of them were conflicted convicted of conspiracy in the assassination of Lincoln. Oh, that's one of the bad crimes. Yeah. That's a that's a crime you don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, so we had Mudd, Spangler, Arnold, and O'Loughlin. Which I think are all Star Trek characters. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, now, Mudd attempted to stow away on a transport, which... Uh, Ended up just making him be in the dungeon mm-hmm. of the fort. I, I imagine because they caught him. Yeah, they okay. caught him. Um, but then in 1867, uh, he did become helpful, uh, and uh, there was a huge yellow fever epidemic, and he uh, helped uh, with medical care for Aww, many of those. That's nice. Uh, so due to continuous hurricanes and yellow fever. 
the fort didn't last like really long. Uh, <laughs> everyone was pretty much removed by 1874. It kind of went back and forth between being used and not being used. Sure. Um, in 1889, it was turned over to the Marine Hospital Service as a quarantine station, but it was deteriorating pretty rapidly. And it was mostly unoccupied for another 10 years until the war with Spain broke out. Then it was used by the Navy for a while as um, a coal rig and water uh, distilling plant, but then that got destroyed by a hurricane. And then it be finally became in 1908... Uh, federal bird reservation and was pretty much left alone until uh 1934 mm -hmm. um it was finally uh designated a national mon monument in 35 because that is when we loved our bricks so much there's this huge brick renaissance in popular culture in, yeah in the mid 30s yeah um and it was in 1992 that it became a national park now the fort is open for mm -hmm. visitors, uh, you can arrive by boat. Um, there's a ferry that takes a few hours to get there from Key West or by plane. <laughs> and if you're brave enough, they allow camping. Uh, you can spend the night. Um, In this place with yellow fever and no drinkable water. Uh huh. Uh huh. And a whole lot of people saying that they've seen ghosts. Prisoners who never left the island. Yellow fever victims. Maybe spirits of people who are shipwrecked nearby? I mean, those are the sea ghosts. They do have the a wide, ghosts. wide they, range. It's where they go when they just want to be left alone. Mm -hmm. But this place is totally on my list of places I want to go now. <laughs> and I totally camp there. I know you don't want to camp there, but I totally no, camp I there. I don't. I don't want to camp pretty much anywhere, actually. That is... A tour of the Florida Keys mm -hmm. and some spookums you might encounter if you go there. Sure, sure. So, darling, what have you learned? I've learned that the National Weather Service is one of the uh, greatest developments for the inhabitability <laughs> of this region. Yeah, yeah, it really helps. Mm -hmm. It definitely helps a lot. Also, like, modern construction techniques. Very valuable, yes. Yeah. Desalination is, is nice. Here's the crazy thing. I'd still live there in an instant. <laughs> Hurricanes, ghosts, chance of yellow fever, whatever. Yeah, but you like all those things. <laughs> there was a book on yellow fever I did really like. See? But... See? Do you feel properly prepared for Halloween? I cannot dress as 16 million bricks, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> I could maybe be that teddy bear. Oh, my God. Do you want to be the doll in the sailor suit? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Okay. I don't know if I want to offend Robert. <laughs> with that, we'll be back with some letters. Letters! Hello. I hope everyone is ready for uh, the festivities that are coming tomorrow or came to you this past weekend, depending on how you celebrate the season. Of spooky times. Pumpkin night. Puckman night, as our goddaughter would say. Yes, Puckman. 
My, my favorite bit of toddler pronunciation is that when she means to say elevator, she says alligator. Mm-hmm. But when she means to say alligator, she says aggregator. Yes. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> it's perfect. Because she really does say alligator correctly. Yes. When she means when elevator. When she means elevator. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> but yes, Puckman. Anyways, uh, so we got some letters here. Yes. Uh, Kristen wrote in with a story that is less spooky in the traditional sense, but still pretty spooky. They used to see all sorts of weird stuff and thought that their house was haunted. Mm -hmm. Um, But the spooky part was that it turns out the reason Kristen was seeing ghosts was that there was a gas leak in their room and uh, they were experiencing a form of acute CO poisoning. And that is really terrifying. There are a lot of uh, ghost sightings and hauntings and paranormal experiences that are debunked once you put a carbon monoxide detector in the house. Yeah. Yeah. And you find out that people were just hallucinating. It's way more common than you might think. We also uh, get a previous prompt answer of the last book they read, which was The Martian and The Hate You, Gi- uh, the Hate you Give. Uh, both great books, both wildly different from one another. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for writing in. Thank you very much, Kristen. Isaac writes in, and they have a very spooky story, which goes like this. Hey, remember that bear monster from Annihilation? Oh my god. See, that's a pretty spooky story. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We also get a drawing of a cat, which is, I don't know if that's the first time, but it might be. We don't often get uh, art of our our furry friends here. Yeah, not a furry friends. Usually, like... It's weird things I say. Yeah. JJ the horse face horse. Oh, JJ. Happy birthday, JJ. (laughs) Thanks, Isaac. Uh, Joe writes in, and they don't have a story, but they shared a very good loaf cat. Oh, a little kitty. It was very cute when we looked at it because Moki was totally loafing. Mm Mm-hmm. She's kind of like a cat, but not a cat. They were loaf friends. That's nice. Loaf friends. Thanks, Joe. Peter writes in with a few uh, recommendations for people to check out this time of year. Uh, First, to read The Stepford Wives, which is a lot more horrific with its treatment of the story than its film adaptations. And also to check out Hereditary, uh, a recent film uh, that is about horror and guilt and self-doubt and uh, one of Peter's absolute all-time favorite films so uh check that out and this is relevant to our interests because one of the uh episodes of riverdale airing in november is named for it is it one of the scary movies that uh what's his name's in depends on who (laughs) what's his name is um my guy yeah no 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 it is not a patrick wilson film no no okay that's too bad. It's from it's the directorial debut of the guy who went on to make this year's Midsummer. Oh, yes, Arter, Ari, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so good at names. But Peter also wants to weigh in on uh, something that's been sort of a running thing in letters sections that we never really asked for, which is unusual ways to take your coffee. Oh, that has been a thing. It has been. 
Yeah, it's been a weird thing. Well, sprinkling a, a pinch of salt in your coffee to relieve the bitterness, I have to say, is not as weird as fish coffee. I do a pinch of salt. Yeah? Yeah, that's something I grew up doing. My there entire family always did that. There's always so, a pinch, a little shake of the salt shaker into the coffee. So two out of Maybe. the three people involved in this exchange between Peter and us agree. Pinch of salt in the coffee. Yeah, that's a, people think that's weird? As a non-coffee drinker, I think that's weird. Oh. I, I know about cream. I know about sugar. I don't know about salt. Yeah, you feel a little shaken. <laughs> oh, thanks, Peter. My mom would always yell when she like she's like, you didn't put the salt in. She somehow knew. Uh, Ramona writes in and shares a dog picture, uh, her late dog, Charlie, um, who is technically a ghost now. So spooky. But Charlie looks very nice. So, yes. like, that's a ghost I am down with. Uh, Ramona also shares a story of a ghost that haunted a previous home uh, she lived in. Uh, and the full story is in uh, Fragments of Independent Encounters. Uh, but basically, there was an empty bedroom that was next to hers growing up. And she remembers uh Suddenly, like, seeing a young girl appearing in her room near the wall that connected to the empty room next door. Mm -hmm. uh, and the most notable thing is that this little girl had no skin from her jaw to her neck. So that's, like, really weird. And she kind of, like, hovered there for a moment and then left. And Ramona uh, says that she imagined her following her round. For like the next week or so, just because she thought spooky things were neat, but mm -hmm. never told anyone about what she saw. Later on, she learned that her brother's friends apparently refused to sleep in that empty bedroom when they stayed over because it felt very threatening to them. Uh -huh. uh, and something about the bathroom next to the empty room, like slamming closed a lot, but there was never anyone inside and that there'd be like light coming on by itself. Uh, after, uh, they moved, her mom began renting out the house and she was told by the new tenants that they thought the room was haunted as well. So different encounters by different people who didn't know about the other stories from people. Did anyone check the carbon monoxide levels in that room? <laughs> well, that is something actually that Ramona <laughs> brings up is maybe there is a little bit too much. Who knows? Uh, but it seems that this, this ghost uh, only harassed and targeted boys or men, leaving girls mostly alone. So, some, are certain people more affected by uh, carbon <laughs> monoxide? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but thank you, Ramona. Thanks, Ramona. Uh, Jerry writes in, a longtime listener, and as far as I can remember, this is the first time we're hearing from Jerry. So, so, hello. Hey. So nice to hear from you. Jerry brings us a pair of show suggestions. Thank you very much. We'll put those in the special folder. But also a pair of cat pictures. Kitties! Penfield and Monty are very sweet little friends. Thank you very much. Uh, Zestrica writes in uh, for the first time. Hey, you, thank you too. And they uh, share a spooky story that took place in their old Victorian apartment in San Francisco. Spooky already. Uh, uh, as they were laying in bed, uh, browsing YouTube, out of the corner of their eye, uh, the dustpan and broom moved on their own. And wouldn't you know it, Mickey Mouse was there. <laughs> 
they immediately called in their roommate and they got their friends to do a cleansing. Uh, uh-huh. Some burning of sage and banging of pots and such. I'm not sure if it worked or not, <laughs> but uh, Zestrika shares that as a kid, uh, they were always very afraid of ghosts because when they were younger, they would hear voices telling them to turn around and calling their name. Um at the time, they were like, must be ghosts, but no, not quite sure. Still spooky. <laughs> very, very spooky. Thank you for your stories, and thanks, everybody, for writing in. If you would like to send us a letter, where can those go, dear? Podcast at gmail.com. And we want to hear your show suggestions, like Jerry, your, your stories, your questions, your corrections, and, of course, uh, your responses to our regular prompts. So, darling, do you have a regular prompt? I mean, I guess it's pretty regular. They come every two weeks. Uh, For our next episode, I would like to hear about people's favorite work of public art. Oh. Is it a mural? Is it a statue? I know what mine are. Is it theater out in the open? You know, something that uh, would be uh, uh, seen and and could be enjoyed by people as they go about their day-to-day business. I know what mine are. Yeah. Yeah. That guy who does all the underwater murals. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. We used to have one in Chicago and then they built a building. Stupid building. But yes, please send those to historyhoneyspodcast at gmail.com. And you can also get in touch with us on social media, uh, specifically Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And all of those are at History Honeys. Yep. Very easy to find us uh, on all of those platforms. You can also leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast listening platform you use. Apple Podcasts is hungry for your feedback. Feed the monster. Feed it. You can also tell a friend. Tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way. You're going to have a lot of trick-or-treaters maybe coming around. Mm -hmm. Tell their parents. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell their parents all about the the darker side of one of their dream vacation destinations. Yes. But with that, I'm Grant. I'm Elena. And history's better with, with your, your honey. honey. Oh, 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 oh.